honest hockey talk and opinions. This is Penalty Box Radio. Live with Alex Doherty and Sean Smith on Smashville's best sports talk, 1025 and 1063 The Game and the Game Nashville app. And welcome into Penalty Box Radio Live, presented by Silas Realty Group. Silas Realty Group, your premier destination for Nashville, Tennessee real estate. Also brought to you by the Nashville Spartans, Nashville's one and only junior hockey team based in Owensville. I'm your host, Alex Doherty, as usual, and back with me this week is Sean Smith. Welcome back, Sean. Thank you. I'm I'm glad to be back. Although I was a little, I didn't know if I was going to be asked to come back after Ann was in here and did a great it job. Up. She did a very good Man. job. But we have a lot to talk about, so let's just get to it. Because let's do it. today on the show, we are going to talk about how the Nashville Predators are climbing the NHL standings. They've now won 11 of their last 14 games, and they actually sit in a wild card spot. Wow, which is pretty crazy. UC Soros has been a big reason why. We're going to talk about his play of late. Got a lot of numbers to dive into regarding him and some some quote. Uh, I have a quote from Andrew Burnett we'll listen to. Uh, Sean wants to talk about fighting. Yes. Yeah. We're going to talk about some physicality, Ooh. some physicalness, Ooh. getting physical, and uh, something that's stood out to, to him uh, throughout the first part of the season. And then, of course, we'll finish off with the three-on-three draft. But two things. Number one, if you want to text the show, do that now. 615-737-1025. You can text us any Preds questions or comments or things you want us to address uh, relating to this team right now. Please do that. 615-737-1025. We'll get to your texts. But let's get to this puck drop topic, Sean. Okay. Here's the question. Is Philip Forsberg playing the best hockey of his career right now? All right, that's that's a very good question, and I, I'm that's why say, I asked it. Thank you, I'm, thank you. Let me just say thank you for for congratulating me on my question. Thank you. All right, go with your answer. <laughs> just credit where credits due, man. Uh, I I don't know. I'm going to assume that maybe at one point Philip Forsberg played some really incredible hockey when he was much younger, like you know Pee Wee's or something, where he was scoring seven or eight goals a game. But I <laughs> okay. I don't know if that's really your question. But I'm no. going to say right now, yes, he's playing the best hockey he's ever played. I think it is close. Okay. But I think he's not quite to the level that he was at during the 21-22 season, which you will recall he scored 42 goals that year. Okay. Yeah, that's true. I think he's really close to it. But technically, points per game, he's a little below that number right now. This okay. is going to sound like I'm I'm no. saying he's not playing well. That's not what I'm saying. He's playing incredible. He's there all he's basically the, you know, the, the the most dangerous part of yeah. their offense. I'm I'm sorry, it's not enough for you, Alex. <laughs> well, if you remember, the, he was on pace for over 100 points that season, but he got hurt. Yeah, that, and that's I think a lot of people forget that is that in the <laughs> middle of that season where he was at at a blistering scoring pace. Yeah, he was injured for a while, and so uh, <laughs> even though he ended up finishing what one goal behind Matt Duchesne, right? Yeah, he'd missed. Quite a few games. 42, po- uh, 42 goals, 42 assists that year, 84 points. He would have had 102 or something like that if he'd played the full yeah. season. So uh, it, it, that was an incredible year. The other small increase, he shot a little bit better that year, 18%. Right now he's at 13%. I think 18% is too high for him. I don't think he's an 18% shooter. He's not Ovechkin. That's that's crazy high. <laughs> but he is very good, and he's playing. Uh, he's 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 like he's an all star for this team right now. He will definitely represent the team at, uh, in terms of an all star capacity. Has, has he been in an all star game? Yes, yet? just once. Though, he, right? he was in an all star game his uh, his rookie year or the year after. 
Because I remember him doing the, yeah. uh, they did a little skills competition. He did the little, like, um, it was some sort of a Dangles McGee kind of Ooh. thing where he was dangling in look, and out of. You got to look out for Dangles McGee. It was something like that. He was doing some, <laughs> he wasn't, he was kind of a, a sideshow. That was the year where P.K. Subban was doing a bunch of stuff oh. and Shea Weber was there oh. and all that stuff. So, anyways, I think, no, he's not playing the best hockey of his career, but he's very, very close. Sean okay. thinks he was I he's say, good now, but he was probably better when he was playing against like twelve year olds or I'd something. I'd say most people were better. Like if you look at any NHLer, right? I mean, there's probably <laughs> a time period where they were like the most dominant kid on the ice. Yeah. And they just did silly stuff. Like, oh, I got seventeen goals. Yeah. And you're like, Wow, this kid's really good. It's but it like, was easy for him then. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's they're clearly, you know, cut above the yeah. other twelve year olds on the ice. Let's catch up on where the Predators have traveled over the last little bit. First of all, um, just to recap from the last few games, they had the 4-3 to three shootout win over Chicago. That was the game where they went 3-for-3 three three in the shootout for that the first cool. time ever. Um, they beat, in dominant fashion, the Tampa Bay Lightning at home, 5-1. to one. That was the dominant win. And remember, that was clouded by the incident at the end where Austin Watson hit Jeremy Lozon uh, with the puck. Yeah, yeah. He was fined $2,000 for that. Wow. I think that's kind of we've kind of moved past that, but I yeah, just it I, was crazy. It was, it was. I don't. We don't need to talk about it. I, I don't think it was. No. I don't think that was his intention. Is right. what it kind of comes down to. For right. Me. But the Predators didn't go to lose four nothing to Toronto. The Preds were terrible in that game. I don't think they had a single good chance in the final period. They were just really bad. And the other thing about that day in particular was that was the same time when the tornadoes were coming through Nashville. Yeah. So it really, I mean, it just wasn't on a lot of people's radar, and the Predators weren't playing well, and so I, I just there's nothing to talk about there. Yeah, the, who cares? Let's I do move think on. the Montreal game was interesting because I think it leads into the Philadelphia game. So let's talk about this. Okay. So they go to Montreal and they win two to one. Colton Sissons gets two goals. I think he had the first two goals, and then Montreal starts kind of taking over the game. I think the second half of that Montreal game, and then most of the Philly game were kind of similar. Yeah. I really think that the Predators got outplayed in those last two periods. Yeah. And then at least the last period of Montreal as well. What do you think? I would I would have to agree with you on that. And and it's, you know, I don't know necessarily, you know, I, I don't want to read into anything or make assumptions here, but you know, when when those tornadoes happen, for example, mm-hmm. uh my my family and I were in Dallas with with my son's team and you know, a lot of families that were down there that you know, they're all from this area, so there's this automatic concern, you know, well, are you guys okay? You know, your family okay? Your property okay? Everybody good? And that, that kind of stays with you, and that kind of made the rest of that trip a little bit like people were a little bit uh, antsy to get back and just to check on things and make sure everything was okay. And, and I'm sure when you have a situation like that, does that carry over into the way you're playing your game? I mean, I, mm-hmm. I would think so, you know, and not – necessarily because you know well somebody had something terrible happen or someone had property damage but there is an overall concern for what's going on back home in these situations i feel like it's entirely possible that had something to do with it but other than that i mean you know like you said they did just get outplayed montreal was just kind of owning possession the most of that game and they they were lucky to get away with it now there's a big reason why they won which we're going to talk about later on uh the guy in between the pipes we'll we'll address that uh, quite a bit Let's talk. Let's talk also about the Philadelphia game because the Flyers game was was pretty. Like I, I mean, I think there was a there was a moment where I I was trying to figure out. Well, I, I think if if UC Soros is not in that game, 
it's probably like six two Philadelphia. Like I mean, it was it was really they were completely owning the puck. They were they were just they were pouring on the pressure all over the Predators. They were making forcing them to make mistakes. There was a lot of special teams in that game, a lot of power plays for both teams, and um, none of them produced. I think I think all the power plays were unsuccessful. I think that's right. And I mean, it was just it was a battle, and there was a there was some some fisticuffs. I mean, it was a lot of there was there was cr- some crazy stuff that happened. But there was one player that stood out to head coach Andrew Burnett, and mm. he said that this particular person carried the team. Without that line, without that person, we don't win tonight. Simple as that. Who was he talking about? I know who he's talking about. Tell you know, us. It was, it was Michael McCarron. Which is surprising, right? Uh, you know, it's surprising, I think, if you haven't been paying attention. But, I mean, I've <laughs> really noticed Michael McCarron stepping up and playing not just a bigger role on the ice, but, I mean, in, in the locker room. I think he is someone that guys – respect i think he's someone that guys get behind and i think when he's playing well the team wants to play well with him um i think he does a lot of things out there that typically get overlooked but he's put on a pretty good show uh as far as uh doing those kind of what would you call them like the uh those overlooked or unsung hero type jobs right he's he's gone come a long way i think from where he was playing before where uh, maybe at times he was considered one of the lesser skilled players on the ice. He made up for a lack of, say, speed with the stick, which caused a lot of problems. But he's gotten to where he's getting much better at, say, back checking. He's getting much better at grinding it out in the corners. He's willing to get in front of the net and do the dirty work. And so I think I'm not surprised that that's the case. Yeah. But, and again, if you've been watching closely, which, I mean, I understand that's what we do, you know, so I know not everybody does. But if you haven't been paying attention, he's he's really starting to shine. This is actually the second week in a row we've talked about Michael McCarron. Last week, Ann and I talked about him. I uh, actually played a quote from him or a, a little audio clip of him talking about his year last year, going down to Milwaukee, the you know the challenges that he faced last year, and uh, I just think he's in a different place now. I mean, a lot of a lot of players come out the other end of the the player assistance program better better right. for it and right. and I think he's one of them and he's he seems to be uh in a in a good place with where his game at game is at um you know he's 28 years old he's one of the older guys in the locker room but he still doesn't feel that old I mean he's still no. got he's still got some some plenty of good years left he's he's not a he's not an aging vet um he's playing the most ice time he's ever played in his career he's playing 12 minutes a game he's averaged in his career like 10 um, he's got four goals already, 19 games into the season for him, 19 games in the season. So, uh, yeah, I, Michael McCarron is just a guy that you just feel like you got to root for, right? I think so. I think so. I, you, you come you come out of that, that experience of going through the player's assistance program and look at what it did, look at what it did and what it has done and continues to do for Connor Ingram. Um, you know, I think mm-hmm. I think he's probably a lot better off for it. Uh, it's probably put him where he's in a much better position on the ice to be the player that he is now. That's right. When we come back, we're going to talk about UC Soros, the guy in between the pipes, and exactly how incredible he has been. I've got some numbers that just are crazy over the last uh, couple weeks or so, so we're going to talk about that. But Nashville, hey, if you're looking to buy a home, if you're looking to buy, sell, or invest in a home, 
Look no further than Salus Realty Group. Salus is not just about property. They're about people. They build long-lasting relationships relationships that are about you, your needs, and your dreams. Salus Realty Group stands for trust, transparency, and community. They're committed to making a positive impact in Middle Tennessee one home at a time. So if you're ready to make a move or sell or invest or anything, visit Salus Realty Group. Penalty Box Radio Live presented by Salus Realty Group. We're back in, Sean. I'm back. Yep. We're We're here. Ready to go. So... I mentioned before the break, after the game last night against Philadelphia, that that Andrew Burnett said that Michael McCarron carried the team. We don't win tonight without him. Simple as that. Now, I think Burnett is just, you know, really wanted to talk up Michael McCarron. He was obviously very important to that, that win. He had a goal in that game. But if we're being honest, there's one player that has car- carried this team over the last two weeks, especially okay. over the last two games, UC Soros, right? Oh, yeah. and <laughs> Big time. Safe to say UC Soros is back. Oh, he's he's back, Alex. He's back, baby. In a big way. <laughs> I, I'm going to say, only say this, and I don't want to take up too much time here, but we've always talked about it, and not just we, but everybody's always talked about Soros and the slow start, right? Yep. It's a slow start, and everyone's like, oh, no, Soros, his, his well, numbers are Well, it's true. It's not a made-up thing. It's not a made-up thing. But, it, I mean, still, it's it, you know to expect it. You know it's going to happen. You just, you, you know what, we're going to deal with it, we're going to move on. Right. But everybody said when he started catching on fire, they're like, oh, I don't know. He's just, you know, he's he's just lost it. They've said. And now I think, no, he's back. And he started to come back and people said, you know, oh, he's not back. He's just had a couple of good games. No, Alex, he's got that dog in him. He's he back. Does. He absolutely has the dog in him. I had a um, I, I just he had been so good recently. I started looking up the the numbers on his recent games. Here's his last five games. I mean, I actually have some more numbers than this, but this is just from the tweet I'd sent out. His last five games, he's 5-0. and He has a 9.53 save percentage and 1.6 goals against average. Um, that's really good. That'll, that'll help you win pretty much every game. But I, I'm going to get even more in-depth here. Okay. So over the la- since December 1st, so basically the last two weeks, um, UC Soros is, has the most saves in the NHL, 164. Uh, more than Connor Ingram, Jake Ottinger, Logan Thompson, Vasilevsky, Sorokin, Mrazek, Bennington, all these people, all these players. He has the most goals saved above average, the GSAA, which is basically like a kind of you take the expected goals, what he would have, what he, what a normal goalie would have saved, and how many more has he saved? He saved eight point one six goals from going in the net. That's by far the first, by far the most in the NHL over that time. More than Carter Hart, Peter Mrazek, Laurent Brossois, several other guys. Um, he's also faced the most shots against, so that's another thing. Uh, he also has uh, the second most high danger saves. Um, he's got a ton of saves on the penalty kill. Uh, I haven't pulled those numbers up exactly, but um, his average goal distance is back down to normal because he had been letting in some goals that were just way too far away. Yeah, I mean, yeah. letting in some bad ones. So he's been very good, and and he it like it's just it's really good to see because it. Number one, I was kind of getting tired of being like, "What's wrong with Soros? What's going on with him?" And like, I, I just kept telling people, "I don't think there's anything wrong. I think he just doesn't quite get there yet until it, about now." I, it's you know, look, I drive I drive a 2007 truck, Alex. It's cold outside. I got to go out and start it before I drive it. It takes a while to warm up. It's okay. But you know what? Once it's warm, it's a great truck. It runs perfectly. Per- perfectly? I don't know about that. Well, you haven't been in it, so. Okay. Well, uh, per- 
uh, UC Soros is definitely uh, running perfectly right now. Uh, I believe we had a question relating to co- goaltending. You, we you we do have a question Go from, from Seth Stanley here. It says, do you sell Lankanen at the deadline? You would have a competent backup that needs the NHL experience, and you get draft capital. Same with Barry. That's a good question. Uh, and I think if you looked, say, at the beginning of the season during the what we like to call the the sorrow slow start, you know, you might be really – I don't know, cautious to make a move. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Askarov is – is he NHL ready? I, I, don't, I don't think so. I don't think he is. No. And that's why I would say you'd want to hold off on doing anything with Lankanen. I think Lankanen is a solid backup. I think there's nothing wrong with, with keeping him the rest of the season. Um, as far as Tyson Berry goes, that has not a lot to do with goaltending, but I, I don't know what's going to happen there. Yeah. I don't even want to start speculating yeah. on that. So I, I would say no on the Lankanen sell. Um, I mean, because it's just like I, I don't know really what you get out of it because, I mean, they're not gonna people aren't going to pay a lot for for a backup goaltender. What, do you get like a fifth-round pick for him or something? So I don't, I don't know if that's really going to happen, but um, – so, but I I did want to talk about this because there was one thing that uh, Andrew Burnett brought up uh, before the game actually yesterday uh, about I asked him about why he thought UC Soros was playing so well recently was it the team in front of him was it was it something with Soros himself and he had a very interesting answer I think this is kind of telling about maybe what's going on so uh, l- let's listen to Andrew Burnett talking before the game about UC Soros I think he's dialed in I think. Uh especially you could tell or I feeling now getting to know him a little bit better I can tell when he's he's really dialed in and tight and and that's what he looks like right now he didn't uh, at times early in the year and, and part of it was the new system it, it's hard on a goalie at times um he used to you know playing a different way seeing pucks differently so a little bit of adjustment period it happened the same thing in Florida and, and back with Chicago I think it takes a little while to get get that going um, but I think he's starting to get used to it. And, and I think our defense are starting to understand that, that maybe they're, they're starting to find that balance between the two things we're asking them to do. We were probably leaning too much one way and, and probably cutting his sight lines a little bit. So I think we're, we're kind of getting the hang of it slowly. Not there yet, but I think Juice has been really, really, really good lately. So he starts by calling UC Soros dialed in, but there's something interesting that he talked about with relating to the defense and with relating to the rest of the team about how the team is really starting to adjust to what they want to do and how they want to play. And there's there's there was a part in there where he says that they were maybe maybe emphasizing maybe the offensive end a little bit more, or maybe they were leaning more one way rather than back. So like in other words, this this particular system is all about getting the puck up the ice as quickly as possible. It's about uh, advancing. It's about regrouping quickly. It's about g- advancing the puck up the ice, not just carrying it, but, you know, passing. And I think that they've probably been emphasizing that because they really want to hammer that home, and that has led to some chances the other way. It's led to some mistakes. It's led to some some learning curve about, you know, how this is going to work. And so UC Soros, who has not played with this system just like the rest of them haven't, has had to deal with pucks coming from different areas. Yeah, has had to deal with chances coming from different different places. He's not used to, um, so it, it takes some time to get used to how the team plays in front of you. You think you think that's the result of maybe being you know overcommitted in the offensive zone and the forwards not being able to get on the back check as quickly. Uh, kind of having the you know having the defensive pressure there and and kind of saying like all right well if before we get these forwards here back checking we're going to get a shot off maybe a little farther out. And that's not something he's used to seeing. 
It could be. I, I think it has to do more with the defense, honestly, the defenders. Okay. I, I think the forwards... I think I think the forwards their you know their job in the defensive end is a little bit different. I really think it's more about what the defense is doing. I think players like Roman Yossi and Ryan McDonough and Dante Fabro and Alex Carrier, the guys that have been there the last couple of years, are having to sort of adjust how they. I think probably a lot of it has to do with what they do when they get the puck. How do they? How do they? advance the puck up the ice quickly right. and they're not sometimes they're not doing that exactly right or they're 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 adjusting to how that has to work and so it's causing turnovers it's causing crazy bounces or angles that maybe the the goalie is not expecting yeah. and we've seen that we've seen some turnovers that have led to some pretty bad goals i mean sure. the, there's been some chances that the other team has gotten on soros that they might not have gotten last year so I, I really think it's more about the defense. I think the forwards are kind of doing their their thing, and they're playing pretty well in in terms of the system now. But I think I think it comes down to the blue line. Well, and you talk about you know the the previous system. You're talking about the Heinz system, and I, I want to say that what you saw a lot with Heinz, and 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 correct me if I'm wrong, Alex, but you're talking about how the brunette system wants the team to advance the puck as yeah. a unit, whereas the Heinz system was more about getting a quick pass through the neutral zone kind of springing a forward loose which left a lot more people back correct exactly and so now if you're advancing the puck as a team you're not getting as many people left behind in that situation they're over like i said over committed i guess you could say yeah there's more people up in the offensive zone so when those turnovers happen you're stuck with those defenders i also think um under the hind system i think there was a lot of emphasis on solid regroups in order to return your structure so like when a when they when they would get their when they would get the possession of the puck back in their own zone, there was not an urgency to get it out. It was about right. it was about maintaining possession and just clearing out from the forecheck, and and it was about trying to regroup in the right way as yeah. opposed to as soon as Roman Yossi gets the puck, he's looking up to the wings, he's, he's looking in. up to the yeah. forwards and making the pass. He's just getting it out. Yeah, and he talked about that with me. I mean, he was like, "It's different now," and that's why he's feeling more comfortable on the on the right side of the defense because he's on his. When he's on his forehand in the back, he can make those passes a little bit easier, and he's in the fo- on his forehand in the offensive zone as well. I, so yeah, I, th- I think it's it's a it's just a um, it's a totally different system, and um, I think he's having to get used to that. So I think that's probably a big reason why. Um, but yeah, I, I I think Soros. This is this is just we we kind of had this thought, you know, if the team is better offensively this right. year and they're better defensively. And you just get the same UC Soros you've had for the last four years. Wow, this team could be good, right? Yeah, sure. Like this team could actually be pretty solid. Yeah, they could. They could be in a, a at least a wild card spot pretty consistently. Yeah, um, which is where they are right now, Alex. Yeah, exactly. So, it, I, you know, if we if we assume that that's going to continue, or if we assume that maybe the uh, the the Soros, you know, path that he's on right now is. Uh, is a good one, then, you know, this is this is really going places. One texter texted in and said, can you discuss Luke Shin versus Tyson Berry versus Dante Fabro? Boy, that's going to take uh, – I think that would take a whole show. I'll just say right now, of those three, Dante Fabro is playing the best. Tyson Berry is not going to be here much longer. Luke Shin is struggling. I, I think that's fair. <laughs> uh, there's the, Yeah, that, that's a whole conversation, especially the Tyson Berry stuff. And then Luke Shin is just there's a lot of a lot of things not going right. He's not playing well right now. But um, that's I don't know. I mean, do you have anything else on that? We'll we'll talk about Luke Shin a little bit more in the next segment, Alex. Oh, that's right. We yeah, will. We All will. Right. 
Well, we just talked about defensemen. Well, so as as we look ahead to the next Predator Showdown, it's the perfect time to plan your future in Nashville. Salus Realty Group is ready to assist, ensuring your real estate goals are met with the determination of a playoff chase. Visit salusrealtygroup.com and let's start mapping out your game plan. Salus Realty Group, where every closing is a championship victory. Hockey fans, if you want to see some awesome junior hockey action right here in Nashville area, go check out a Nashville Spartans game down in Nolensville at the Gary Force Acura Arena. Uh, I've been to several games. They're a lot of fun. And right now you can use the promo code PBR50 to get an exclusive 50% discount when checking out. So go to NashvilleSpartansHockey.com slash tickets. Use the promo code PBR50. Don't miss the excitement. Be a part of Spartans Hockey today. Speaking of hockey, Sean, Right before we get went to the break, or during the break, rather, yes, I was mentioning that I, I told you last night I played, and uh, I just want to give a shout-out to my team, the Ravagers, at oh. the Fordyce Center Bellevue, because guess what we did? You won we, a game. We did not win you a game. Won the ch- you lost a game. We lost a game pretty bad, but guess what we did? We played the entire game shorthanded. Wow. We were like, we only had eight skaters, and we were like, we can either be just play open hockey style and be all tired the whole time, or we can have two lines of four players each. Okay. And just get some rest and play shorthanded the whole game, which is what we did. That works. So, shout out to my teammates, the Ravagers, who uh, chose to do that. And final uh, score? What was the final score? Seven to two. It's so not we didn't. Bad. We didn't have any. There was no running clock. We did. Okay. We did pretty good. That's good. I think we played Held well. Hold on. It was great. So, um, well, let's talk about let's talk about the Nashville Predators. That's what people care about. That's right. <laughs> uh, Sean, you have something you wanted to mention about penalties uh, or fighting well, or something about punching. I don't know what is it. Okay, yeah, it, penalties. We can talk. We can get into the the more you know finer intricacies of of penalties. But I, I do want to talk about fighting. Um, fighting is is one of the main reasons I think that my children love hockey. Um, I know there are a lot of opinions out there about it, about whether it belongs or whatever. <laughs> but the one thing that is undeniable is that as we sit here in the studio, the Predators have more fights than any other team in the NHL this season so far. Do you know how many fights they've had? Off the top of your um, head. I know I sent you the stats, but I bet you didn't look at them. Seven. You are wrong. You are so wrong. How so many do they have? 14. That's surprising. I just thought you were going to spit out your Diet Coke. <laughs> I, thought you were I did not. Spit out your Diet Coke. I, I did not. Well, so, wait, they've only had, what, 29 games. So yeah. they've fought in, like, R- roughly every, every, other, every game. other game. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's a lot. And, and here's the thing um, I, I want to talk about this because if, if you go back to the offseason and you talk about when Barry Trotz signed Luke Shin. I said we were going to talk about Luke Shin yeah. in this segment, and, and here we go. One of the reasons he discussed the signing of Luke Shin, do you remember what it was? Yes, it was about protecting Roman Yossi. Okay, because what, what do we know about Roman Yossi? Uh, he's a beautiful man. He's a beautiful man, and you can't let that face get messed up, <laughs> right? Uh, okay, but th- we've debunked this. What do you mean we've debunked? We've it? debunked it's true. This. He's a beautiful man. Oh well, anyway. no, not that. That's not that, that will never be debunked. <laughs> no, no, I know what you're talking. We debunked <laughs> the fact that he's there to, to, to fight. protect. It, like, but here's he the doesn't thing. even play with them anymore. He doesn't play with them, and that's fine. But what you have to understand is that, but of those 14 fights, do you know who has the least? 
the is it Luke Shin? It's Luke Shin. Ah. Now I'd say a lot of that has to do with the fact that Luke Shin has spent a large yeah, part injured. of this season injured. But would you injured. would you be willing to guess who has the most fights? Um, is it McCarron? No, he's tied for second with Cole Smith. Um, it's it's Jeremy Lausanne. Oh yeah, of course and, Lausanne. And, and here's the thing: I, what I'm going to say is this: you've got Lausanne with five, Cole Smith and McCarron with three apiece, Kiefer Sherwood with two, Luke Shin with one. Fourteen big fights, if my math adds up right, and I think it does because I checked it three times. There are a lot of guys on the ice at any given time who are more than willing to drop the gloves yeah. to defend their teammates. And I think, you know, look, pe again, people say what they want to say. But when you've got that many dudes who are willing to throw down at the drop of a hat, sometimes it makes people think twice about what they're going to do on the ice. Okay. P perhaps. Perhaps it does. I think there are there. I'm not one of the ones that says fighting should go away entirely. I just don't think it actually does anything. I think it's a it's just part of the spectacle. It's like it's just a little bit of wrapping paper that doesn't really need to be there. It's fun, and a lot of people do enjoy it, but it doesn't actually accomplish anything. It's I mean, there's a reason that it goes away in the playoffs because the teams know it doesn't help you win. Well, Alex. Is, is a little bit of wrapping paper so bad? <laughs> if it's useless, just give me the present now. Wow. I, you I, heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Alex doesn't want his presents wrapped. But I think there's a larger question here about penalties, right? I mean, sure. Because the, fight, the fights are one thing. Those, are, those rarely lead to a, a penalty kill or anything like that. But right. the team has been mm, increasing their penalty output there's, right there's been some a uh, little bit of extra stick work that's caused some problems yeah especially over the last even over this last little bit i mean i think uh i was looking it up earlier i'm trying to do it now um over the last yeah here we go okay so over the last two weeks the last since december 1st okay predators have the fourth most penalty minutes now that's including major penalties of course there's three major penalties in there uh penalties taken they have the the most penalties taken Wow, twenty-seven penalties taken over the last two weeks in seven games. They're five and two in those games, so they're doing pretty good. Their penalty kills played great. Who's the Who's the best penalty killer on this team? Forward or defense? It's UC Soros. Oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> Trick yeah. question. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but that but that's the thing is uh, you know look you're talking there's there's a lot they've taken all these penalties but their records five and two. You're going to have to chalk a lot of that up to the fact that Soros is playing at peak form right now. And I think if you don't have a peak form Soros, that those penalties cause much bigger problems for this team. Yeah, I mean, the, it just all that really does is emphasize more that UC Soros has been so good for the last five, two weeks. Yeah, uh, you have the I don't want, I guess the luxury of being able to take more penalties. Yeah, and. I think that the you know one problem is, and Brunette has talked about this. They, they've had a lot of stick fouls, and stick fouls mean that you're not skating yeah. well, or you're at least you're behind. You, you, if you're if you're behind a guy, you're going to use your stick to try to get him. Yeah, hooking, slashing, tripping, whatever. And so, you know, they have a they have a handful of you know delay a game stuff, which is mental mistakes, bench minors for too many men or whatever. But the stick fouls are because you're not skating well. Yeah, that's no, that's what those 100%. lead to. So I mean, we touched on that a little bit earlier. You know, if you talk about the Michael McCarron of the past, that was a big complaint was that he was using that stick and that long reach to make up for a lack of speed. And and you can't consistently 
make up for being behind somebody by tripping them or hooking them or slashing them because eventually you know you're playing with fire. And if, if you don't have Soros at peak form, and that's taking nothing away from him, but you, you put Kevin Lincoln in that same situation, you're not going to have the same results. You're going to get burned. You know, one thing that stands out to me, whenever I look at the, the penalty minute numbers for any particular hockey team, you look at, you know, who's leading in penalties, especially between the positions. So, like, I mean, Philip Forsberg has 22, which is kind of a lot for him. And I think that's because he gets a little stick happy. He gets a little, you know, he, whenever he loses possession, he tries to get revenge pretty quickly. He, he does yeah. like to get revenge. Uh, but one stands out, Ryan McDonough only has six penalty minutes. I mean, Ryan McDonough plays 20 minutes a night. He's played in every game. I'm sorry, no, not every game. He's played in 22 games. Uh, only has six penalty minutes, so I guess he's only had three penalties three all penalties. year. Yeah. Ryan McDonough is very solid in that department. He's very, very disciplined. He's he's a disciplined player. That's and, the right word. For and it. he's one of their top penalty kill defensemen. Right. So uh, he's been huge. I mean, he's 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 been very important. Uh, but the, you know, there's plenty of other. I mean, yeah. You mentioned Jeremy Lozon. A lot of that's fighting. Uh, Roman Yossi has twenty. I mean, Roman Yossi's taking some penalties. Um, there's just there's not a lot of players on the team that are like super disciplined. I mean, I'd say McDonough's one, Novak is probably one, but this you know Novak and Tomasino, those guys are not out there to to th- those guys are out there to get penalties drawn upon them. <laughs> right, they're they're better at drawing. <laughs> yeah, um, but like physical guys like Parson and Cole Smith and Colton Sissons, those guys, they're 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 getting penalties. I mean, they're they're not they're not immune to it. You know, and, no. and if you if you ta- if you play as physical as they do you're going to end up in the box at some point that's that's absolutely correct and and you've got to think too think about you mentioned mcdonough being the more disciplined and being one of the top penalty killers if you're a penalty killer you kind of need to watch it because if you're a penalty killer you play a major role on the penalty kill unit and you put yourself in the box not only are you at a man disadvantage but you're also taking away one of the team's best penalty killers. So it doesn't make any sense for somebody like McDonough to play a more aggressive style that's going to lead to those types of penalties because he's really just putting the team in a double bad situation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mentioned the penalty kill. Uh, they are ninth best in the since oh since since November 16th, so the last month. The Predators are ninth best in their penalty kill. Remember early in the year when they were like third worst or second worst or something. So it's not just Soros because that's including some time when Soros was still not playing well. Right. So I think the penalty kill has been pretty good. It's, it's been, been good, but I'll also I'll stand by what I said before. Best, best penalty killer yeah, on this team is UC Soros. But what about best pl- best skater penalty killer? Because I, I have my pick. Well, go ahead and tell me. I think it's Cole Smith. You think so? Yeah. I, I can I can see that. His speed, man. I mean, Sissons is important because he's of the face-offs. And he's just very smart. I mean, Sissons is a phenomenally smart player. Great hockey IQ. Great, great player. Very, very good. I think Cole Smith, though, because of his speed. His speed separates him a little bit because he can really chase those pucks down and put pressure on the defense when the puck's out of the zone. I think that's huge. That's that's big. And you're right. I think his speed, especially on the penalty kill, is something that's fairly underrated. I don't know that he gets a lot of praises sung for that, but um, you, you will see him do a lot of things out there on the penalty kill, especially, and you know, dare I say that he oftentimes gets that puck into the offensive zone mm-hmm. for the Predators and gives them a chance to score on the penalty kill. That's right. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, maybe where this team is headed over the next few weeks. 
Um, you know, where, where do we want to see this team by, I don't know, the All-Star break, by the end of the season? We're talking about that as well as preview the next few weeks and the three-on-three draft, as usual. We will finish off with that. But look, buying a home in Nashville can be a really stressful experience. It's a huge decision. Many things to consider and analyze, but the experienced real estate professionals at Salus Realty Group, they can help you find your dream home in the most vibrant city in the world, Nashville. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or selling your property, the Salus Realty team can guide you every step of the way. They have intimate knowledge of Nashville's neighborhoods, schools, market trends, all that stuff. They will match you to your perfect home. So if you want to get started, go to salusrealtygroup.com. That's S-A-L-L-I-S, Realty Group. Experience real estate the Salus way. Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio Live, presented by Salus Realty Group and the Nashville Spartans. All right, Sean, uh, we want to talk about the Nashville Predators, but I believe you wanted to just mention Alex, something really quick, right? Look, really quick, there's been a lot of good youth hockey going on here okay. in Nashville recently. Talk about two things that happened really quickly. One, the 9U Music City Marauders, one of my favorite local youth hockey teams, won a CCM tournament. The 10U bracket, the 9U team won the 10U bracket here in Nashville Okay, weekend before last. And then this past weekend here in Nashville, while the Music City Marauders were playing in Dallas, the, the Nashville Warriors, the Nolansville Warriors, whichever way you want to put it, they play out of Nolansville. Um, number 92, my favorite forward on that team, my nephew, Matthew Mangrum, scored his first goal in the tournament. Wow. Incredible. Beautiful shot. Just went right by the goalie, had no chance. Incredible. Now, are these Nashville, are these teams, are they all at all related to the, um, uh, I don't remember the name of that, um, the Music City, what was it called? Gosh, I'm I'm blanking now. It's okay. Um, what's the the where the the Vancouver Canucks moms helped oh, out? Oh, the Nashville Assassins. The yeah. Nashville Assassins. Yeah, yeah. The, the the Assassins weren't in that tournament. That's actually a 12U team. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a 12U team. I was uh, like trying to remember yeah, the name those, of that. Those moms. Big, like the, big shout out to the yeah. 12U Nashville Assassins. For those that don't remember, moms, back great. in the uh, back a few weeks ago, the uh, Vancouver yeah. Canucks got some they big did. help from the Nashville area moms. Uh, helped tie, Brock Besser tie his skates. Yeah, big, big assist from the Nashville uh, Assassins <laughs> moms. You can check that story out at PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Yeah, just go read, <laughs> go read about that. <laughs> All right, so um, the Predators have a, uh, a you know, have have exceeded expectations, I think, at this point. But where are where do we need to see them by the All Star break? Because, um, and I'm trying to remember when the All Star break is. I'm guessing it's in January. I maybe I should look that up. But several weeks away. Um, yeah, I, we're not worried about when it is. It's soon. Do Do you want to see them in a playoff spot at the All Star break, or can they be outside of it? I guess is where I'm going with this. Playoff spot, like wild card spot. Sure. Okay, I'll, I'll say this. I'd like to see them solidly in a wild card spot. I think, you know, if they're just kind of barely on the bubble there, like in and out of that last kind of transfer spot, like, I don't know. But again, February 1st is is the the benchmark for success for this season. First week of February is the All-Star break, so go ahead. Oh, is the benchmark for success for this season making the playoffs, or is it just... Oh, I think so. You think so at this point? Oh, yeah, for sure. If they make the playoffs, this team, this is a successful year. I think we even said at the beginning of the season, though, that they didn't have to make the playoffs for it to be a successful year with the with the well, restructuring. But if things change now, the team's trending upwards, that Soros has gotten hot again. Okay. Maybe. But I also – yes, it's about growth. But, I mean, if you didn't make the playoffs last year, if you don't make the playoffs again this year, I see what you're saying. I guess it needs to be – 
You need to. You just need to have a better team. You no, need to, I think you need to, need to end to make, the year on a, with a better feeling about your team. They need to make the playoffs. I agree. Yeah. I, I, I'm not. I'm saying okay. that it's changed. I think if the team had come in and just been okay, you know, they're doing well. You see yeah. some good things, but at this point, you've got your your all star best goalie in the world playing like the best goalie in the world. Yeah, you you, you want to ride that to the playoffs, even if it's in the the last wild card spot. It doesn't matter for sure. You just, I think that's the benchmark for success at this point. Well, the Predators do have a couple days off. The next game is Friday at Carolina. Then they have a Saturday home game against Washington, so a back-to-back Friday in Carolina. Then they come back home to play the Washington Capitals. And then next Tuesday against Vancouver. Um, so that's that's the next few we- or few games until next show. But we're not done with today's show Uh-oh. because we have another edition of the 3-on-3 draft. Oh, yes. So... Sean, are you ready to commence today's draft? Now, uh, you were not there for last week's draft. I, who won last week's draft? I did, uh, I believe. Yeah, I, I think, think I did. Pretty I think sure. there's some kind of payola we did, scheme going on we here. We did holiday headaches, and uh, I think the one that got the, the one that clinched it for me was having to buy presents for your parents because it's impossible. Who, I mean, buying presents for your mom or dad is impossible. What in the world could you buy? Your, and we're not going to redo this, but that's the one that clinched it for me. Nuts. <laughs> All right, so today's three-on-three draft. The topic is, by the way, what we're doing, we draft something at the end of every show. It's not about hockey. It's about something else. Today we're drafting R-rated movies that we watched as a kid that we should not have been able to watch as a kid. I think that's, that's fair. R-rated movies that we watched as a kid that we should not have been able to watch as a kid. So... This was actually a topic I talked about with a, some, several other ple- people back uh, before a game one time, and I, so I, I think it's, a, it's interesting. So I feel like my childhood was scarred a lot by these movies that I'm going to pick. I, I, I will agree with you on that. I think as a child that, that grew up throughout the entirety of the 80s and, and was just kind of allowed to stay up late and watch whatever was on TV, I think I saw a lot of things I didn't need to see. So I'm. I feel so like this is. Let's, ripe. I'm going to let you go first. Oh, okay. You just get to go first. Okay. I'm going to start off with a movie from 1984, and and I'm going to say this. I know we're talking R-rated movies. This is not an R-rated movie. Should it have been an R-rated movie? Some would say yes. In fact, this movie changed the rating system. Oh. This is what created the PG-13 rating. Okay. And it okay. was. And it was Gremlins. I don't even know if I've seen Gremlins. So let me just say this. <laughs> Gremlins was marketed toward five-years-old boys like me Okay. as, oh, look at these cute little creatures. Those They're so cute. It's a kid's movie. Come watch it. Terror, Alex. Yeah. Terror reigned at the theater. Is that the one that co- don't they're coming out of a toilet or something on the cover? I, I want to say that's Gremlins 2, which oh, we're okay. not going to talk about. Okay. But, <laughs> you know, you get the cute creature wet, it turns into a disgusting terrible monster that frightened a five-year-old boy like me got it okay my number one pick uh this movie was def i mean this is just like the quintessential you should never have let a i was at the time 10 years old allowed to watch this and that would be pulp fiction oh yeah i watched pulp fiction as a 10 year old as a 10 year old was introduced to by the way a fantastic film i mean it's an awesome movie but I mean, as a 10-year-old, I should not have been able to watch all the things that happened in that. Lots of drug use, lots of violence, lots of oh, language. Oh, just horrific. Yeah, yeah. pretty bad. Um, pretty some bad. weird stuff that we can't even talk about on the air. <laughs> right. um, yeah, just, I'm with you on that. Quentin Tarantino, great filmmaker, not something that you want. He doesn't make films you want to show 10-year-olds. No, and I, I'll, I'll go ahead and say, like, I was 
old enough to watch that movie when it came out. So, I, okay. I, but that, I agree All with right. you on that one. What's okay. your second pick? Second pick, and this it's funny because I think I'm I'm this one's a little bit outside of the box here. It is R-rated. It wasn't violent, but it was very, very, very explicit, and that is Eddie Murphy's Raw. His stand-up performance oh, that was released okay. as a movie. My okay. uncle had a habit of somehow acquiring movies like this, stand-up comedy stuff, and leaving it at the house. And I, I love comedy, and so I'd wait till my parents went to bed and pop in the movie. And next thing you know, I'm watching Eddie Murphy stand-up. Definitely not something that an 8-year-old should have seen. And I know that a lot of you are thinking, like, oh, Eddie Murphy, doesn't he make family-friendly movies? Not that Eddie Murphy. Uh-huh. Keep that one away from the kids. That's a good one. That's a solid one. Yeah, definitely. You should not have ever been able to <laughs> listen to that. Um, my second pick is a is a scary movie. I think this is just a movie that um, I. It, it's not like it's really objectionable. It's just like it terrified me, and I think I shouldn't have been able to to watch this. I'm gonna. It's Alien, the original oh. Alien, 1979. I think that's the year it came out. Uh, Alien, just. I mean. No, that's a scary movie. Boy. I, yeah. I, I mean, I love space movies, but, man, that messed me up. Yeah, I, I was we, we awake whole, for a lot. Did a whole space movie segment before, I think. Oh, yeah, we did, didn't yeah. we? And so, uh, okay. I, that's, third pick? That's Okay, last pick. <laughs> this one messed me up, and, and it, you get into all kinds of Uncanny Valley stuff on this one. Are you familiar oh. with Uncanny Valley? Oh, yeah, Valley? yeah. for sure. Was, this was my Uncanny Valley nightmare, and that is 1986. Starring Jeff Goldblum, The Fly. Oh, I thought you were gonna go with. Uh, never mind. I, that's that's my movie. The, I just recently slow, I just recently watched Invasion of the Body Snatchers okay, again, that's which is fair. also good. But. The slow transition of of Jeff Goldblum into yeah. a, a fly creature terrified me. So you have Gremlins, Eddie Murphy's Raw, and The uh, Fly. The Fly. Yeah. That's a good one. My last one is uh, probably one of my favorite movies of all time. Definitely my favorite sports movie of all time. Major League. Oh, yeah. That is where I learned to say a lot of bad words. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I saw that movie. We were on family vacation, and we were staying at a hotel in uh, – where were we? Um, in, I think we were in Cincinnati. Um, and uh, No, no, it was St. Louis. And the hotel had pay-per-view. And I was like, Mom, this movie's about baseball. Can, yeah, can right. we get it? She's like, Boy, yeah, it's about sure. a lot of other stuff. Yeah, I watched that one in a hotel room All right. by myself. It was, it was good. All right, Connor, tell us who wins. I had Major League, Pulp Fiction, and Alien. Sean had Gremlins, Eddie Murphy's Raw, and The Fly. I'm going to be honest, gentlemen. I, You guys know I'm young. I haven't seen <laughs> all but one of these movies. <laughs> Which one have you seen? Major League. Okay. And that's my in my top three sports movies yes. of all time. Good movie. So, by default, Alex wins. There we oh, go. Come on. This Two in a row. That's, that's getting a two, little two wins bit for me. That's, I think that's three in a row, Alex. I did like your options, though. I mean, Ernie Murphy's Raw was a good one. Kind of not a movie. It was but, a movie. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the show. Thank you very much for listening. We really appreciate talking about the Nashville Predators every week with you. And uh, we will be back next week. Thank you for listening to Penalty Box Radio Live, presented by Silas Realty Group and the Nashville Spartans. Sean, we'll see everyone next week. Bye, Alex. Goodbye. Here we know that Christmas will be green and bright The sun to shine by day and all the stars at night